Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Harvest Community Church. Welcome to our online service I wish I could see you all, but I'm going to say I'm glad to see you all because I'm, I'm imagining in my mind what it looks like to see you all in your homes and in the places you're watching the service. It is, believe it or not, the first weekend in June, that, that's crazy. And so you know if you've kind of been following uh, our information that we've sent out that we plan to have our first live service back on July the 5th. So we've got just a few weeks until then. And I'm, I'm standing here in the worship center, and, and of course it's empty except for Kayla and some equipment. And we've moved the chairs to the sides, and now we're starting to reconfigure how it's going to look in here. And I know, I, I just want to say a word to you about some of those things before I really start in the message. I do have a message for you. I've got some tools for your toolboxes. But I kind of want to talk about, I know that you have missed being here. And, of course, I, I love Sunday mornings more than any other time of the week. I love to be here with all of you. The rest of the staff does. And it, it's been a very strange season, even, even to look around now and, and have this room like it is now. But I also know that the Lord has really aligned my thinking with Bud's thinking. And, and we, haven't, we haven't talked about this together. We have uh, sort of, the Lord has led us to these things on our own. But we've been very aligned with the idea of that we need to use this time, that we have been apart for, for something important. In fact, a, a couple of weeks ago, he even asked you in a message to be introspective like Elijah was. When Elijah was sent to the brook, and spent some time there and to see and, and understand our relationship with God and, and I have felt that that strong pull towards that as well and I started to think about what in my own introspection I've, I've used this time and I think I've grown a good bit because of it but I've thought about what do I miss about that this room is, is different right now and and a, I absolutely miss the fellowship. I love seeing all of you. I love us being together and able to, to greet each other and talk with each other. And I, and I love the energy of corporate worship. But I also want to say to you, I hope that those are the only things that you have been missing. Because those are the things I've really been missing. Because here's the, here's the question that I've gotten a lot. From, from lots of you, from lots of different people. When are, we, when are we gonna have church? And my answer is, we've never stopped having church. I know we're not together in this room right now on a, on a Sunday morning, but we've never stopped having church. And every time that you have picked your Bible up on your own or prayed on your own or called somebody else up to check on how they were doing you've had church 
and so have I. And we have provided probably some of the best content I've seen in my own teaching come out for a while. I teach every Wednesday night. Bud teaches every Thursday night. And then we've got a great message for you every Sunday. And those aren't the kinds of things which are baby food either. We've given you some real meat to chew on, and I've chewed on all those things. We've got just a few weeks left before we begin the new adventure of how do you do, how do, you do live in-person services in, in the midst of a pandemic. And, and there's going to be lots of information coming out. We as a staff have been working really hard. We've prayed really hard. We've, we've spent a lot of time talking and researching and, and doing the work. So you'll be getting that information really soon. And what is that going to look like? You'll see that very soon. But I don't want you to miss, and I know Bud doesn't want you to miss, that there are 168 hours in every week. 168. And at the most, even when we were meeting here in person, we spent maybe two or three hours. If you came to a Bible study and you came to a service, we met maybe two or three hours in person a week. And the rest of the time, you're out there. And you all know as well as I do the state of affairs right now in this world. And, and it breaks our hearts wide open, doesn't it? We've got to be able to sustain what we learn here out in those other 165 hours a week. So I, I ask you to dig deep in this time and, and not want to come back because you can't wait to get your seat back and you can't wait to, to settle down in, in your comfy seat and put your feet up and say, this is what I missed and this is what I want. Because we have to be more. God has called us to continually start with ourselves and, and look into our hearts and become something more than just coming together and sitting on a Sunday morning. We spend most of our time out there. And I, oh, we so want you, I so want myself to use this time well and realize that we have got to pick up our own Bibles. We've got to get down on our own knees and pray and learn those things so that we can minister to each other and to hurting people in the world. And so I know you can't wait to come back. I can't either. But in the meantime, don't just sit and wait. Use this time well to just dig down deep. Let your roots grow down deep and know that God is with you everywhere. And we are a church all the time. The church has never closed. We have been the church. We will always be the church. It's not this place, as much as we all love this space, and I know you can't wait to be in it, this is not who we are. This is not who we're going to be. There's so much more that Jesus wants to say and do in our lives. And so use this time well, as hard as that is to be a part. Dig deep with the tools that we're offering you. And when we do come back together in a live setting, I think we're going to be richer and better prepared to do what we need to do in the world. So that, that's just a quick message. I have, I have real 
message, but I, I just felt I needed to say that again. We've been trying to say it in a bunch of different ways, but just super important what we're doing. So the message this morning that we're going to look at is, is called the three P's. And I'm going to, I'll, I'll tell you what those are in just a few minutes. But before I get to that, I want to say that, you know, I've, I've got to spend a, a good bit of time in his word more than usual, being at home and in a different way, having more time on my hands. In some ways, I have less time on my hands. But it amazes me how everything is set up in God's Word. And it amazes me, the story of Jesus, how everything unfolded in his life. The, the timelines, the how, what, where's, and when's. I'm a, I'm a super digger in information. I want to know those kinds of things. It fascinates me. And so one of the things that really has fascinated me that I've spent some time with over the last weeks is the fact that here comes Jesus. He's ready to begin his ministry. He's been doing a lot of things, learning and growing, and he's about to begin, and he starts with his baptism. And so John baptizes him, and he, he comes out of the water, and the, the Holy Spirit descends on him. It was a, in the form of what people saw or what he saw as a, as a dove, but it was the Holy Spirit. And he's ready to begin. Now, if this was me, if I was getting ready to begin a, a ministry that, that God had put upon me and was mine to do, I would immediately want to go and talk to people. I would want to be telling my message to people. And Jesus, does he do that? No. He does something very, very different. And that's a scripture where we're going to plunk down in first. We're going to look at two places. In, we're going to start in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to go to the Gospel of John in just a little bit. But in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is ready to begin his ministry. And the Holy Spirit leads him, not two people, leads him into the desert to be tested by Satan. Nobody else goes with him. There was no other, there was no followers that went and observed this whole thing. There was nobody that took notes. So we know that Jesus had to come back from this experience and tell the story of what happened. Now I'm going to read that and then it's very, very interesting. Why did Jesus even do this? And I think you'll, you'll see that in just a minute. So let me read this passage. I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. So this is going to be a familiar story to a lot of you. You can follow along if you want to. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. 
All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Now there's a good chance that a lot of you have heard that scripture before. I've preached on that before. There's chances you've heard a lot of lessons on there. But I think it is so interesting that the very first thing Jesus does, the Spirit leads him to be tempted in the wilderness by Satan. Now, you've you got to think about the whys on that, or at least I, that's what I do. And so I will tell you the whys that I've thought about. Do you think Jesus thought he was really going to give in to Satan's temptations, that he had, he had to have this test? Obviously not. You know, Satan is not the equal of Jesus. Satan is a created being. He does have power, but he does not have the power of Jesus. So there, it was not a test, per se, specifically for Jesus. But Jesus had come in the form of a human being. And I believe he did this, and I believe he did it for emphasis as the very first thing he did. Because he knew that this was going to be the pattern of life that happened to us. And he didn't even say it necessarily for, I'm, I'm telling the whole world that they're going to be tempted by Satan, but of course you that are followers of Jesus, you're not going to have to worry about this. No, he did this for us. And he did it for us because, this is, this is what I think as I thought about it. He actually stole Satan's playbook. It would be like if you were, you know, two football teams and somebody went and stole the playbook from the other team and kind of figured out some of the strategies of what they were going to do. I think Jesus did this and he, he, he said, sure. The Holy Spirit led him there and he said, sure, Satan, come on. Bring your big guns. Tell me everything that you want to, to do to try to tempt me. And I think Jesus was going, this is great because I've, I'm going to know your playbook. And I'm going to be able to tell my people exactly what to expect. Yes, as believers. So there are three categories. These are the three Ps, by the way. That the same thing Jesus was tempted with, we are. Now you might say, what's she talking about? No one has ever tempted me to take a stone and try to turn it into bread. I, I'm talking about categories here, and I think you'll get that. But here's, here's some points that are going to be really interesting in this story. First of all, Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights not eating anything. So in his, in his human body, the part that was limited, he's going to be super tired. And he's going to be, I would be, you know, I don't, I don't know if he got hangry. We get hangry, right? Super just worn out and exhausted, and that's exactly what Satan does. That's, that's the first play in the playbook, that he waits until we're worn down to nothing. He has no respect for, I'll hit them when they're at their best. No, he waits till we're at our weakest, and then he decides to pounce. But then there's something interesting. So the first category, this is what Satan tempts him with. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, you're right. I've never been tempted to do that either. But it's the category of temptation. And so the first category, the first P, is power. That is a category that we are always going to be tempted with. To somehow, not to this limit. This was Jesus, right? Satan is not going to come at us in this way because we're going to go, I have no power to do that. 
But he's going to try to infiltrate us in a way that will seduce us because I believe that what these are temptations, but I'd also like to call them seductions because seductions, he does it in such a way with us that he tries to reach into a way that he's observed in us, knows is going to get our attention. If we look at what's happening right now in our country and we look at all the agendas that are being used in this horrific event of racial tensions and, and such pain, such tragedy, such beliefs about each other, a lot of it has to do with power. We want power over somebody else. Maybe not on this grand scale, but that's definitely what's going to happen. Now, one of the points to, that you want to get from this is, what does Jesus use? Does he start conversation of his own clever words? I mean, Jesus, the most profound speaker that's ever going to live on the planet, spoke perfectly. Does he use his own eloquent speech? No, what does he do? He quotes the Word of God. Now, all of these quotes that Jesus uses back are from the book of Deuteronomy. He uses the word of God to defend against the seductions of Satan. But he's also showing us a pattern that we can see that power is going to be one of the ways that we are tempted to follow the guidance of Satan instead of the guidance of God. It, it is something that gets used on us. And you might think, I don't feel very powerful about anything. That, that doesn't seem relevant to me. You may not be tempted with all of these all at the same time, but one of these P's, at least. And Satan will use the one that he knows works best on you. So Jesus responds with the word of God. So what does Satan do? He, he, he pulls the second one. So then we're back in verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And, and so here, here's Jesus and Satan looking down, looking down on all the world and all the people that would live right in, in Jerusalem. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now realize this, too. This is important to know that Satan also knows the Word of God. and He will quote Scripture, and he quotes Scripture right there. Now that is from Psalm 91. He's quoting scripture to Jesus. And how does Jesus respond? Boom, right back with quoting Deuteronomy. Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so on that one, you may be thinking, okay, I don't think I'm ever going to be tempted to stand up on the, on the peak of, of some building and, and have all these things with angels are going to save me. The second P, this category that he's tempting Jesus in, out of this playbook of Satan, is prestige. Prestige is just another word. It could be, you could use the word popularity, a different P word if you want to. It is about how others perceive us. Now, the power one may not have started to register with you. You're like, no, I don't, I, I don't know if I see that one in my life. But how others view us, oh, that, that's going to hit all of us. 
And I'll tell you what, if you get, if you get to the end of this passage and you say, I'm not tempted with any of those things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say immediately go back to the passage and immediately go to the Lord in prayer because you're missing something. Jesus would not have done something that wasn't a teaching experience for us. His whole ministry is about taking care of us to how can we survive while we spend our time in this world. So prestige is a hard one because we want the affirmation of people. We want people to, to look at us and say, ooh, look at, look at what they're doing. Look at their faith. We, it can sneak in. When I say the word seduction, it can sneak in in our faith lives. We can be proud of the fact that I've read, I read the whole Bible every year. I go to church. I wouldn't miss a Sunday for anything. I tithe. We have to be really careful. And we have to be, this is where introspection comes in. This is where you look inside of yourself and you go, I have to admit. I have to admit this to me. I like it when somebody said to me, man, that was a great message. Or man, you've done really good. Or look at how you're living your life. That stuff feels good. And we have to be able to admit that. And that is a category of sin or seduction that, that Satan very slowly is going. Because these categories are all about walking away from God. And see, what Satan is going to do to believers, he's not going to make you walk really far from God. He's going to make you back up enough so that you can pivot about five or six degrees off the norm. In other words, he's, he's going to tempt you in ways that you're still a believer, that you're still part of the body of Christ, that you're still part of a, a church and functioning and doing ministry. But he's going to have you do it where your focus is not, if God was over here, he's going to have you pointed over this way. In other words, you make it about yourself. And you take your eyes off of God, and, and we, keep, we keep hammering on this stuff. I'm going to keep hammering on this message to myself first and then a message to everybody else is that we can so easily take our eyes off of God and think I'm doing good for you God but I'm not looking at you because whether I like it or not I have an agenda of I want people to look at me in a certain way I want the approval of other people or at least some other people's and that is this very thing of prestige. So that's the second P. That's the second category. But there's also one more, and, and this one may very well get us as well. So Jesus, of course, responds with Scripture, shuts Satan down. Satan doesn't have anything else to say. Now, don't miss that point, too. If Jesus had said something else except the Word of God back to Satan, let me tell you, Satan is very intelligent, and he's very sharp-witted, and will come back at you. If you try to use your own strength to talk yourself out of situations you've gotten yourself into, you're going to have a hard time getting out of that. But immediately, Jesus spoke the word of God. Satan doesn't say after any one of these, go back and look at your scripture. Satan doesn't say, but, 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 what about this? He is shut down cold. In other words, this right here, this is your offensive weapon, and this is my offensive weapon, and this is why we hammer down on you want to know what this word says. Because as soon as this is spoken, 
That is the most vile sound to our enemy. But one more time, here comes Satan, and this is, this is with the third P. So again, the devil, this is in verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, again, quoting Deuteronomy, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. The last category of sin in the playbook of Satan that he is going to bring his big guns, he is going to sweet talk us and seduce us all day long, is the category of possessions. Now you might think, oh, well I am immune to this one because I don't have a lot of stuff. I'm not even interested in a lot of stuff. It's not just stuff. It's anything that we want to possess. It can be a person. It can be a person's affections. It can be all kinds of things. And I'm going to be, you know, I always tell you that when I teach, I'm the one that's learning the most from whatever lesson that I'm studying in. And so this particular category, I've, I've come to realize over the last, I don't know, maybe four or five months, maybe six months that I've been on this journey to understand that I have the kind of personality, we, we use the Enneagram here personality thing and we talk about that and, and if you don't, that's fine. If that's not something that's your thing, I, I don't care. But it's been really helpful to me because I learned one of the vices that I have. And one of the vices in my style, and I'm a, I'm a five, I'm the investigator, it is that I like to hoard. And I don't, I don't like to hoard stuff, but I, I hoard my, my heart. And I've not been generous in sharing my affections with other people. I hoard back my feelings. I hoard back my encouragement sometimes. And, and I've come to understand that that has been one of those categories. I've tried to possess those things because I thought if I gave them all away that I would be empty and not have them. And the truth that Jesus brings is as much as I'm willing to give away, he's willing to bring more and put it in its place. So with the idea of possessions, it's, it's more my own stuff that I want to hold on to. I want to keep parts of me that I don't share with everybody else because I, I want to I possess that. I want to keep that to myself. And so in a period of introspection, why that's important, I had to look inside and go, all right, Lord, show me. Show me where I have been seduced in these categories because I want everything to be about you. And so I've, I've really been working on that. So now, however many people are watching this, you all get to hold me accountable to, I've got to give it all away. Because I have been tempted by the enemy and lies to keep all that stuff to myself. So there are three categories that we are always going to be as human beings. Remember, he did this the very first thing in his ministry. That's how important this was, that we understand these are the categories we're going to be tempted in. Power, prestige, and possessions. 
And, and that can happen in the church. It can happen outside of the church. And so how do we combat that? It's not only, now Jesus gives us some great answers right here, but he's going to give us a way better answer when we're going to flip to the book of John in just a second. First, he tells us that these things are going to happen to us, and they're going to happen to us when we find ourselves at our weakest. When we find ourselves at our breaking point, I can't take anymore. Satan's just sitting back waiting for those moments in us, and then he's like, oh, I'm going I'm to go after her, I'm going to go after him right now. Jesus uses the Word of God to refute and shut down and smother that kind of talk. And I'm telling you what, when you have the Word of God in here and you have the Word of God in here, you don't have any other space to be listening to any of that other stuff. So that's got to be key, but there, there has to be something else. Does Jesus show us something else? His whole ministry was to teach us how to live as believers here, knowing that this isn't our home and that we're going to go to another, and he does that in a beautiful way, and he does that in the Gospel of John. So we're going to jump over to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 17. Now, the story of Jesus in the upper room when he washed the disciples' feet is not found in the other three Gospels. And that's really good news for us. This is just a little aside because I love to dig and in information and everything. If all four of our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were exact words, boom, 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 that would be evidence that maybe they thought, well, let's sit down and copy these. But they received them from a different perspective. And so only in the Gospel of John are we privy to this wonderful passage of information. And so I'm going to read this to you, and then I'm going to talk just a little bit and, and close everything down. So this is John chapter 13, starting at verse 1, and this is how. How in the world, if Satan is constantly trying to seduce us with power, prestige, and possessions, how do we overcome that? Here we go, right here. Jesus shows us, he tells us by doing. Now listen to this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had to pull all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and, what was, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Now, now pull, pull in here. I, I, I can't get closer. I'm supposed to stay behind this little table, but you pull up close to your screens or whatever and, and listen. To, this is Jesus. All red words here. 
Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Super important what Jesus is explaining here. It's not really about, I mean, sure, you can go out and wash people's feet. You're like, oh, that's all I have to do. I'll just go out and wash people's feet, and then I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. It's not necessarily that, but that was such a humble act. These guys walked around with, you know, on dirt roads all the time and through mud and all kinds of stuff, and, and they, so they had super dirty feet, the dirtiest part of them, and Jesus washed that part. But that's not really where I want you to go with this. I want you to go with what was Jesus' mindset and what was Jesus' heart set. He bowed low. And if we are ever going to overcome what we now know is Satan's playbook, that he's going to use against us in all kinds of ways, and even inside of our Christian relationships, he's going to do that. How do we overcome that? We bow low before each person we meet. I'll tell you what. If we had the mindset and the heart set, I'm not talking about I'll just do it on the outside. You can be a servant to people all day long. I could serve you all day long and on the inside be going, I hate every bit of this. They don't appreciate anything I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm doing this. If I have to admit it, I'm doing it so that other people can watch me and look how holy I am. It can't be about that. It's, a, it's about setting the attitude of our hearts and minds on that of Jesus. And so to do that, we have got to bow before each person, each and every person that there is. In other words, the heart set and the mindset is this, that every person that you come across is better than yourself. Every single one of them. Now, just pick that up for a second and put that into our world right now, into our country right now. If we had that mindset and we had that heart set, that we would be servants of all, that to rise as the body of Christ is to bow low in servanthood before every person. The best leaders I have ever had the privilege to be around or learn from were never bosses. They all served me well, and they taught me that I want to be like that. I've seen, I can't even, I can't even get on Facebook right now, because all of it pretty much disgusts me. I'll I'll just tell you that. Because everybody is trying to put their thoughts, their spin, their memes, their this, their that, on how to change the world out there. Here, here, just read my stuff, and and it's all going to change. That's never going to change anything. That's never going to change anybody, and Jesus knew that too. That's never going to take care of the problem of power and prestige and possessions, which drives us to do all kinds of things that make it about us. No, the way to always keep our eyes on Jesus is to, is to bow 
low and be the servant of everybody. How can I serve you best? How can I give myself away? And see, that goes right back to what I've been dealing with, what I just kind of told you. I was wide open with you and told you I've been working on because I try to hold my stuff back, my possessions of who I am. I don't want to give that all away. I haven't been bowing low. That's pride. And I've been keeping that to myself. And so I'm telling you that I want to bow low. I want to be a servant of all, so I'm going to give away everything I have. To every person I come across. So how do we change the world? How do we change what's going on out there? You gotta change your own heart set. And you gotta change your own mindset. And Jesus gave it to us right there. First he steals Satan's playbook and says, I'll use myself. And Satan's gonna use all his tricks. Because he's wanna gonna he's gonna want to do something counterfeit to God and make a mockery of God. And I'll tell you what, we are not going to be people at Harvest Community Church that turn over here and do it the way that any other church does or any other person does or any other anybody does and make it look good about us. We're going to be people that continually turn back, turn back to God, and we're going to look at this lesson and we're going to say, I am going to do this and not be tempted because I am going to be bowed low in servanthood. What can I do for you? What can I do for the body? What can I do for the world? And take our eyes off of what can I do for me? I want it to be what I want it to be. We're not going to do that. And this is the answer. This is the good news that Jesus gave us right here. Now, don't, I got one more word to throw at you just in verse 17. Now, you may be looking at a different version, so it may, the wording may be just a little bit different. I'm using the the, the new NIV, whatever that's whatever that one's called. And it says, now listen to the, verse 17 again. This is his last thought on this particular topic. He is telling his believers and telling us, this is how you are to do ministry and do life. This is his last thought, 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I don't want you to miss a little teeny tiny word that's in verse 17. I have it underlined in this Bible. And I have it underlined in my study Bible as well. You will be blessed if you do them. Because see, God has never been a God and Jesus has never been the leader of our church that has said you have to do these things. He tells us the truth. And then we have to, each one of us, decide, am I going to do that? So I'll say the same thing to you because I'm going to use Jesus' words. You have to decide if you are going to look at each person you see. And it takes a lifetime to do this. It takes continual because you'll be swayed over here and then you've got to pull back. But we are going to be intentional at this church about pulling back. And you know why we're intentional about it? Because the people I work with do it to themselves first. We don't just tell you all what to do. We are constantly hold each other accountable and go, I've got to pull back. I've taken my eyes off of you, Lord. And so if you will, your mindset in your heart and in your mind is to be a servant of all, your eyes are going to be right on the Lord God Almighty and the temptations of Satan. You're not going to hear him that much at all because you're bowed low, and that is how we rise as a church. So I say to you, church, 
again, I know you're tired of not being able to be here and all the energy and excitement. I, I miss it too. But there has to be more to my faith and there has to be more to your faith than just what happens here on a Sunday morning. We're not going to change the world. You've got to be digging deep. I've got to be digging deep and deciding that now, today, in this moment, I've got to look at my fellow human beings, all of them, not whether they're worthy of it, but I'm going to be a servant of all and I will love them to the best of my abilities. And you've got to decide if you are going to do that as well. And then, man, the blessings that as we're giving it all away, the blessings pour in. We make so much room for more of Jesus. And I want more of Jesus for me, and I want more Jesus for you. So let's pray, and then we are done for the day. Lord God, your word has so much for us to learn. And the example of Jesus, the fact that he didn't, even then, he didn't start his ministry by making much of himself. He had us on his mind. He wanted us to realize and really understand the ways we were going to be tempted. And then his entire ministry, Lord, was to teach us how to have an abundant life, not how to have an empty life. It's totally opposite of the world. The world says, keep it all to yourself. And you, Lord, say, give it away, and I'm going to give you more than you're going to know what to do with. Lord, this day, in this moment, would we look at the example of Jesus bowed down on the ground with dirty water, lovingly holding feet of his disciples? Lord, could we learn by that example? Lord, would we keep our eyes straight on about you and not get turned to the side, not get distracted, not get seduced, and not get tempted to be like the world? but to follow you everywhere we go and be servants of others. I pray these things in the holy name of Jesus, and I thank you for this time, Lord, that we've got to spend together this morning. I pray that you, just a blessing on each person that's watching on the other side of this screen, Lord. Help us to grow strong. Help us to be the true disciples that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.